everybody. Welcome back to the Rapsodo Baseball Podcast. This week, we decided to take a trip back. We're actually going to be revisiting a podcast we previously did with Miles Michaelis. Miles, part of the St. Louis Cardinals right now, has been battling back from injuries, is now back in the rotation, pitching for the team that's kind of making a surge, making a push uh, late season, trying to make the playoffs. We figured here, being Rapsodo and based out of St. Louis, it would make sense for us to highlight one of our local guys uh, and kind of show some love to the team that's right in our backyard. So excited to be back and uh, and really interested to get into that conversation and revisit what we talked about with Miles. And before we kick it back to the podcast with Miles Michaelis, we want to share a little bit about our exciting new team membership at Rapsodo. So a lot of new features and, and really new elements that are coming into play uh, that we really took last year during 2020 and, and a lot of this year with 21, building out and kind of creating this new package. It's going to have a whole new app that you can now connect hitting and pitching we have kinematics baked in, auto pitch tagging, uh, the opportunity to now play game mode, to have, have a little competition. We've talked about that with several of the guests, the hitters that have come on. How do they keep it interesting in a cage, especially some of those academy owners that are out there? Uh, you know, Rick Strickland, who was on just a couple of weeks ago, also mentioned this and how he uses this specifically in his training. So a lot of these new features and elements that coaches have been giving us feedback about, we're excited to finally get into people's hands. You know, this has been geez, a couple of years in making with a lot of these elements uh, and we're excited to kind of get it out into people's hands. And so far the reception has been pretty great. Yeah, absolutely, man. And uh, the Diamond app, just an exciting new app. Uh, we have a lot of users out there that have used the 2.0 apps. Uh, there's a lot of exciting new things inside the Rapsodo Diamond app. You know, we're talking that our schools are back in session for, for college baseball, high school baseball. Uh, we're getting close to some live on live type practice in the fall. Uh, one of the things that sticks out to me is the auto pitch tagging. Uh, with the new Diamond app, being able to all the pitches we've recorded over the years at Rapsodo, uh, based off the movement profile, we can tag that pitch for you now to where you're alive on live. Pitcher's obviously not going to be flashing fastball, curveball, slider to the hitter so that that's getting auto tagged for you into the reports. Yeah, 100%. Also, for the first time ever, you can actually access the data from an iOS app on your mobile phone. Uh, it's going to be available for Android and for iOS. You can actually log in as a coach or a player to the mobile app, log in directly to the Diamond app that's available there and get access to the data. More ways for players and coaches to get access to the data, to share the data, to review it and understand the insights and analysis that are going to be paired with it. So again, you know, check out the Diamond app if you haven't heard about it and haven't seen it. If you're a user of Soto, go to the App Store, download it. Um, check it out. We'd love to hear from you guys. And, uh, you know, before we get into uh, Miles, we wanted to take a quick second just to kind of run through that breakdown and encourage you guys to check that out. If you have more questions, reach out to us at either sales or support at rapsodo.com. And with that, we're going to jump into Miles. Thanks, guys. Uh, getting into your career a little bit, obviously coming out of college uh, and being drafted then by the Padres and working your way up with that organization uh, and really reaching to a peak that a lot of players don't ever get to. Um, but you had a unique opportunity, I know, as you sort of transitioned into starting uh, and were able to kind yeah. of go overseas uh, and do that. I mean, that's a, a huge transition. Can you talk about that a little bit and what that process looked like for you? Yeah, so kind of kind of stumbled into starting again. You know, the Padres drafted me as a starter and I went to – to the Northwest League, I led the league and lost. I was like one and eight. Um, wasn't great. I mean, I relied heavily fastball, curveball in college. I didn't have much of a third pitch. They put me in the bullpen. I did really well. So instead of giving me another crack at starting, they were like, oh, you must love the bullpen. So now you're in the bullpen. So I kind of embraced that. And, um, you know, I 
the Padres wanted me to kind of get another pitch by the time I got to AAA and I was bouncing up and down. I, I messed with the splitter a little bit and then um, they kind of decided I just, I couldn't throw like a split. It didn't work. So I figured I'd throw a little slider instead of, you know, mixing something, you know, hard and short with the curveball and um, ended up going into my first season with Texas with three pitches and we had a starter get hurt and they like, Hey, you want to restart this game and like, go three innings and then five days from now, do you want to try to go five and had a really good five innings? And they're like, do you want to just be a starter from now on? And we'll see what happens. And I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? You know, just kind of ran with it and made seven. I hadn't made a start since the Northwest league and short season rookie ball. I made seven starts in AAA, And then they called me up. It was that season they had where like everyone with Texas got hurt. They lost like a hundred games. So, I mean, their season was a wash. They're like, you know, does Michaelis have a pulse? Okay, call him up. Like, let's, you know, let's go. So it was a, you know, tremendous opportunity. And I'm, I'm, I'm extremely glad to have had that opportunity. And uh, there were some, some scouts from the uh, NPB watching some of those AAA games and watching some of the big league games. And I was a guy on their list and got a chance to, to go overseas. Cool, man. And then, you know, it's interesting with when your career, when you're kind of going through the, the minor leagues is when we were seeing some big changes in player development. Yeah. I saw some real, you know, some big leaps uh, by each club uh, in the player development you know, world. Is that obviously that's something that you experienced then? And then I think there's been some change now, you know, from the time you kind of experienced that making your journey to the bigs to what you see now for player development, what's that been like and the differences in kind of growing with the game, you know, in analytics. It's been pretty neat. Um, you know, cause I was, so I was in Japan for three years and they were dabbling in some of the analytics in Japan and mm-hmm. I pay attention to things going on back home. But I feel like from the time I left and then came back three years later, I get the, the change in how they did things and how they wanted to quantify what guys were doing and like the spin rates and this and that, like it was huge. It was like you left and they're like, Oh yeah. You know, it's got a curveball. It's this hard. Fastball's that hard. I came back and it was like, it spins this way. It spins that many times. Like they almost, you know, you're to a point where your velocity doesn't matter as much as how hitters react because, you know, if you have a high spin rate, they just react different. So I guess it's like the, the methods that they're using to try to quantify what makes players successful is, is I think pretty neat. Yeah, man, that's awesome. It's definitely been fun to see, you know, as a fan and then getting started with Soto and kind of growing with the game, you know, in general. Man, one thing I'm personally very interested in, and I think our user, uh, our listeners are as well, is man, the game in Japan. What are some differences in the game? I think that's something that everybody would love to hear about. You see more more contact hitters and um, a little more small ball. Sure. Um, I think because of that, I think you, you see a little bit more action not as many strikeouts guy, you know, guys get two strikes and they'll, they'll do anything, you know, even like four hole hitters with base loaded, they'll do anything to not strike out. And whether that means they hit into a, a double play, which isn't great, or, you know, all of a sudden your four hole hitter is, you know, running out of the box, trying to slap something the other way, just trying to fight it off and, and be productive. I think their game, there's, there's a little more action. I think there's less walks overall. There's less walks, guys swing the bat, a lot and they're just swinging for contact a lot of fast runners out of the box you know a lot of that Ichiro type I knew certain guys on certain teams where I'd 
throw him, you know, like low outside fastball and they just kind of chop it to the ground. And as soon as I saw how high it bounced, like I knew it was an infield single right away. It's, it's kind of funny how you get used to that. Like, I'm like, Oh, that's a routine ground single. The shortstop would just get it and have to have to eat it because there's like nothing you could do. Cause the guy hits by the time he hits it, he's two feet at, he's two steps out of the box and you play a lot of indoor stadiums there. So the turf, so if it like bounces and it takes an even another high bounce off the turf, it's like nothing you can do. It's just, it's, it's weird. That's interesting, man. It's like, sounds like a lot of the mentality, like the mentality of the hitter in the box. It's amazing how that can change the game versus small ball versus, you know, we see the strikeouts up in the MLB. We see home runs up guys trying to, you know, hit the ball uh, more of the long ball game. So that's really interesting to hear the mentality difference. Um, You know, you came back for an awesome 2018 season, uh, you know, an all-star performance. And do you think that there's some things that you were then in Japan battling guys that had a mentality that we're just going to get, we're going to foul off. We're going to keep, you know, get, get, we're going to get the bat on the ball in some way. Do you think that helped maybe sharpen a pitch or two for you to come back to the MLB and really kill it in 2018? Yeah, I think it, it just, it helped me learn how to, how to move the ball around a little bit more. Cause you know, guys swing and trying to put the ball in play like that. You can't just live in one spot. You got to really move it in, out, up, down. Um, I mean, you get guys, a lot of long at bats over there, a lot of seven, eight, nine, ten 10 pitch at bats. And if you just keep living on the outside corner, they're going to, they're going to slap it through the hole. So you really have to, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to let a guy see seven, eight, nine, ten 10 pitches, you got to let him see, you know, the curveball, the slider, the fastball in, up, down, in the dirt, over his head, uh, kind of move his eyes all over the place. So they're not just kind of, you know, keyhole in that one spot. I'm curious when you're over there, obviously you had success. And when you were coming back uh, and getting ready to break back into the MLB, did you feel pretty confident that, uh, you know, where you were as a pitcher that you'd be able to come back and have success? Or were you even maybe a little surprised at how well, uh, you know, things would transition for you over here? Uh, You know, maybe a little surprised, but um, I just, I took this philosophy, you know, if you make good pitches, I think I had, when I, when I was in Japan, I had got my delivery to a point where, I could just locate the ball pretty well. And I think that was, uh, you know, a big, a big factor, a lot of my success, you know, I hadn't located as well as I'd like to my first time over here in the States and, you know, kind of, kind of honed in on that uh, my three years in Tokyo and just, I kind of went over the mindset, you know, if I make good pitches, if I hit spots, not too much can go wrong. Like I can't look, I can't be too terrible if I hit spots, you know, and I think, it's much easier said than done. Like, Oh, fastball away. Try to keep it at the knees. Like I'll just do that. But with that mentality, like, Hey, just one pitch at a time, you know, he wants it in, get it in. He wants it low down, get it down. They want it up, get it up. If you know, hit spots, will travel kind of thing. Yeah, that's awesome. I think one of the questions I have personally too, um, from our own transition here with Rapsodo, we started out in Indy, then made the move over to St. Louis. Uh, so we're located, uh, you know, not, not too far away from, uh, from Bush right now with, with everything we have <laughs> nice. going on. So that was a small change with me and my family bringing us over, you know, a couple of states over, but nothing as mm-hmm. dramatic as pulling people over there. I'm curious, what was that uh, conversation like with, with your wife and saying, oh, by the way, we're going to go, we're going over to Japan and what, what, uh, you know, how did that conversation go down? Uh, pretty funny. We had, um, you know, we had touched on it a little bit and then we had just got married and we we're on our honeymoon in uh, Mexico. And we had the, I got a phone call from an agent and he's like, Hey, you guys got to make up your mind. Like in the next couple of days, you know, like while you're on your honeymoon, 
are you going to go to Japan or not? Which was kind of nice because we were, you know, it was just us. So we had a lot of time to talk about it. You know, we're talking about going to Japan at dinner. We're ziplining through the rainforest. Like, mm, what's it going to be like if you go to Japan? So it was kind of, it was nice to have that time. And uh, I think the end that, you know, I, I hate to say like money was a huge factor in it, but, you know, I was, I was in AAA. I was out of options. I was up and down, kind of bouncing around. And we just kind of looked at on paper, like, do you want to be the guy who, for some reason, like, heaven forbid something happens and you miss out on this financial opportunity to at the very least pay off, you know, pay off our mortgage and, you know, be able to live without that payment for the rest of your life. And I was like, well, we're just going to go worst case scenario. You come back and you're in AAA, like up and down guy, like in the same spot as you were before, you know, best case scenario kind of happened. And um, that's, yeah. So that's, I think um, it kind of worked out. Yeah. So, um, you know, my, my agent likes to tell me that, you know, it, it, it couldn't have worked out even better. Like that's just how he, just how he wrote it up. So yeah, so nice. yeah I bet it was all planned, right? Yeah. Yeah. All part cool. of a huge plan. Yeah. A cool thing that, um, that obviously again, being in the St. Louis area, so something we, we get to hear a lot about, we constantly have sports on in the office and everything. So we hear a lot of uh, card stories that come down. So when Schilt took over, uh, we, we heard a lot about kind of the ball talk. Um, mm-hmm. that was implemented. Uh, I think one listeners, um, probably are not as familiar with that. So if you could explain that a little bit and two, what an incredible thing just from like a leadership perspective to put that into yeah. place. Curious yeah. from um, your perspective. Yeah. The, um, disclaimer, the ball talk is mostly a position players thing. The, okay. the, the pitching staff will be in on it occasionally, but, um, I, I think it's a really nice way for them to just kind of recap um, you know, a real quick recap of what happened the night before and what they're going to try to go out there and do tonight, just helping everyone be, um, a little bit aware and a little bit accountable. Uh, you know, everyone gets ready for, the, for, for a game of their own way, whether it's, they want to forget the night before or totally remember the night before or, or this or that. And I think that that ball talk is just a way for everyone to kind of get together, you know, at some point before the game and, you know, Hey, this is, this is what we're going to go out there and, and try to do against this particular pitcher. And, you know, from, from a defense standpoint, we did this really good the other night and, you know, if they're going to bunt and do this. We're going to be ready. And, um, probably, you know, that, that mental preparation, um, I think is big. And I think that helps us, um, as a team and as a unit, just kind of be ready for everything. You know, if you, if you talk about a situation that that might happen and then it happens and, you know, boom, you're ready for it. And instead of, instead of everyone just kind of being out on their own like wavelength, which a lot of guys are, which is fine. But for just that, like that couple minutes to have everyone in one place on the same wavelength and then let everyone kind of disperse and and get back into their routines and and get ready for the game, I think is, I think it's a really, really cool idea that he's, that he's got. And I think it helps a lot of our players. Yeah, no doubt. That's awesome, man. Hey, kind of continuing that like cards talk, you know, I've definitely heard that, that, that pitching staff there, you guys pretty competitive group. I know there's like mm-hmm. some challenges if it's, you know, starting the count with a strike or, or anything internally, man, what's that done for your mentality with like Wayno and the guys uh, like kind of challenging each other. What has that kind of done for your game? I think it's, um, I think it, it helps elevate everyone's game. Uh, mine included. Um, I'm a big having fun guy and I think competing Love and, it is, is tons of fun. And if it gives me, you know, 
some ammo to to throw some jabs at someone here like oh you know nice batting practice you know this or that or you know tripping on a guy here there never trying to be negative but just you know i get something that i can pick at him and um you know keep it fun i think it keeps me engaged in the dugout a little bit better uh you know my my mind can have a tendency to kind of wander, you know, I'm sitting next to someone on the bench, maybe talking about fishing knots or something for half an inning. But if I'm, if I'm paying attention to, you know, how many O2 counts or, or, you know, what one of the other starters is out there doing, I think it helps me be a little bit more engaged better. So I think it helps me be a little bit better of a teammate as well as, as being competitive because it is a long season and, you know, somewhere around game a hundred and something, you know, you're sitting in the stand or sitting in the, in the dugout, just thinking about, you know, what post game spread is because you're hungry. And, um, you know, those, those little competitions help, help keep you locked in. Uh, for all that's awesome. Awesome, man. Well, one of the, I mean, kind of sticking with the competitiveness uh, side of things, something that, uh, you know, that we've noticed, uh, obviously your ability, you're never going to back down, uh, mm-hmm. on the mound and when talking to people, obviously something that got a lot of play was going to be the, uh, you know, the Soto kind of stare down and everything he went through, uh, fans of that, uh, for sure from this show, we're, we're big fans of that, uh, oh, yeah. and that's cool. what a mentality, uh, just kind of curious. And if you ever need somebody to have your back, we got you. Uh, <laughs> cool. I thought it was, you know, kind of like a heat of the moment thing. My stance, I, I didn't mean for it to be uh, like, I wasn't trying to be aggressive in any way. It's just, you know, he, he does his little shuffle and uh, I got him out in a big spot. So I just kind of let him know, like I gave it back to him and he kind of just nodded his head at me. And I, you know, he was probably thinking like, I'm gonna get you next time. So, um, you know, kudos to him on, on being super professional with it. Um, you know, he's an awesome player and I've heard he's an awesome guy. And I think that, that competitiveness and that um, kind of like pushing buttons back and forth in a harmless, like playful way, I think is, sure. is great for the sport. Like, you know, if, if you're going to have a little routine and, and try to be swaggy, but if I get you that one time, I might give it back to you. And you know, if he gets a big hit off me when this season starts up or whatever, and he wants to, you know, shimmy back in me or do whatever, you know, go ahead. It's, it's, it's all in good fun. And it's, uh, you know, keeping things competitive and, and trying to keep them light and, you know, the fans like it. The, the 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 fans like to see that that type of competitive interaction without it being like an overblown, um, like chest puffing out, like you know, chest beating competition. Like you know, you see a lot of guys want to want to be like too too animated or you know get get all riled up over what seems like nothing. Sometimes like these guys want to freak out when you walk across the mound. Like no big deal, right? <laughs> but you know something harmless like that i think is i think it's fun i think it's uh i think it's good for baseball you know especially if the fans like it you know for sure man i love the competitiveness like i was a, actually seth and i are both pitchers just you know at the college level but man mm-hmm. like being a pitcher uh like seeing that fire competitiveness like baseball can be a game like we all love it but maybe it gets sometimes that it's longer it's you know, it's drawn out, but man, like seeing that fire, seeing those matchups, especially in the playoffs, man, that's what it's all about. Like the fans definitely love it. So, you know, man, also maybe just like the sweet flow and stash and the chain, maybe that, that brings it out too. (laughs) I got to grow the beard out during this. So once the season starts, I can just drop everything and the mustache will be 
we'll be ready. Love it, man. That's the look of a picture, man. I'm excited for that. Uh, hey, Miles, man. Uh, one thing that I thought was pretty cool. You touched on your arsenal a little bit um, already, mm-hmm. um, but you're a guy that shares the love throughout your, your arsenal. Uh, I was taking a look at numbers, you know, the four seam, the sinker, the slider, curveball, respectively, at 27% of the time, 23 and 23% and 21. You know, is that something kind of throughout your career you picked up pitches along the way? Uh, you, you know, you sharpened them, uh, you know, in a season. Um, you know, kind of how did you get your arsenal to what it is today where you attack hitters very well with four different pitches? Um, you know, it was traditionally, you know, just that fastball, you know, fastball, curveball, four seam stuff uh, in college. And, you know, I'd use the two seamer in, um, I used to use the, the, the sinker, like when I was in uh, basketball counts down the count, try to get a, you know, basketball count. Here's a fastball, but it's going to have some movements. Hopefully it's a, it's a ground ball and it's an out. Um, and I think the, the better I got moving that pitch around the zone, you know, being able to start it on that glove side and kind of run it back for a strike outside and have it not be a pitch. That's like, okay, I can throw sinkers in on someone's hand. That's about it. Mm-hmm. Being able to, to move it both sides of the plate, you know, can increase your, your usage on it. Um, so that just helps, you know, kind of guys, you know, what fastball are they ready for? One that's got a little hop or one that's got a little run, you know, what breaking ball are they going to be ready for? You know, one that's got a, you know, you know, the big hook or that, you know, that short, sharp one. Um, the slider was something I picked up, um, end of 2013, um, beginning of 2014 when San Diego was looking for me to have something other than that fastball and the big curveball. And, um, I kind of just took my curveball grip and I, in my head, I just wanted to make it as short and as firm as possible. So I kind of just figured how, you know, you know, that big curveball, you turn it pretty early and you get that big break. And I kind of just goofed around the bullpen i'd be warming up between you know between games or in flat ground and just how late how late could i turn it in my hand to to get that break and it just you know turned into that hard like cutter slidery uh looking pitch just trying to trying to turn it to get that tilt at the very very end of 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 the release like just kind of right there at the end That's awesome, man. I know you're a guy, too, that's uh, got that above-average uh, spin rate on your fastball. So, man, something that you look to utilize kind of going up the ladder, getting guys. Yeah. I think we learned a lot about spin rate and what the last – I mean, it's not it's not been long, you know, with uh, like the rap mm-hmm. data, the in-game yeah. data. It's something the guys are learning, hey, you know, I'm above spin rate. Is that something you've utilized, kind of understanding your spin rates and knowing you can go up the ladder and get swings and misses? Um, I really looked at it um, – at the end of last year, going into the spring training, because obviously my numbers were much better my first year. And some of that can be attributed to like, you know, your first year in the league and no one's really seen you like, what's this guy doing? You know, okay. He throws a lot of strikes. So then, um, you know, guys are, are kind of swinging right away. And I think um, realizing that I, when I look back at 2018, like if it was really weird, like I looked at my, my, plotted charts or whatever and it, it looks like i just like scattered the ball all over the place but i was really successful at the top of the zone and if i looked at 2019 i was it looked like my control and like command of that down and away pitch was much better but for some reason it it didn't play as much and i i had toyed with my slider i made my slider a little bit bigger trying to add some more break to it you know trying to have that like that big sexy slider turns out it's a terrible pitch for me because then it looks too much like my curveball. So I was getting back to that, that short, hard slider um, that was so successful in 2018. 
and being able to work that, you know, kind of as a high cutter or, or down in the zone or front door, um, back door to guys and, and just kind of having, you know, having more distinct sequences where you can go like fastball up and then the curveball plays off that. And then like those sinkers and then the cutters and kind of the way everything kind of, kind of plays off. And so I hadn't dug too much into it until after last season when I, I felt pretty good. And if I felt like I was kind of hitting spots, I just couldn't figure out like why, you know, and sometimes you feel like you pitch a whole game and you make one mistake and the one mistake you make, the guy smashes it. I feel like in 2018, the one mistake I made, like if I made one or two mistakes a game, they would like pop it up or like miss hit it or maybe foul it off. But the last year was like, every time I made a mistake, the ball was, the balls are juiced. And it's, yeah. We're, we're with you. We'll, we'll do some studies for you on that one. See what we can find. Uh, I, I think, uh, <laughs> I think I love the kind of the mentality that you just pro- talked about with the, being able to almost like dissect each pitch and then go into the off season um, mm-hmm. without getting into like too much specific on what you're, you know, what you've been working on now. Obviously we just caught you right after a bullpen. Uh, are you able to, and I think listeners would love to know this kind of your progression from an off season plan of like establishing, okay, I want to work on this specific thing or are there more broad things and um, that you guys in your camp are kind of looking for? Um, I mean, this specific, um, getting ready for this next season was trying to get that slider, like nice and hard and tight and short, um, and get rid of that. I think I, I probably had a little hump in that slider that I didn't have the year before, you know, where it, um, you know, they can tell you at what angle your breaking ball, like comes into the, into the zone at. And I think my curveball and slider we're coming into the zone at too similar an angle. So it was, I essentially like turn them into like the same pitch. Like I had four pitches and I like smushed my curveball. So two different pitches, but too similar. So just trying to, trying to have some good spread um, between the pitches. And, um, you know, I'm always working on trying to add another, another trick. I'm always goofing with a change up. Like, I mean, I've, gone everywhere between like traditional change up split change straight split finger fastball grip like i'm like messing with the palm ball a little bit um last year in colorado i don't know if i was i would call it palm ball but i threw like two change up two or three changes in colorado where i kind of just like shut everything down and killed it and i just like threw like a bp change up at like 80 miles an hour because I was like so over having a terrible changeup. This is my worst pitch. So I just kind of like feathered a couple in there and they popped them up. Like they almost like didn't know what it was. They're like, what is he doing? And he like, I think one of their lefties like was like, like all like antsy and he like tried to take a big swing at it. He just popped up center field. So it worked. Uh, it wasn't a great pitch. I threw it like right down the middle, like just floated in there. Like you old Henry <laughs> Rowan Gardner just floated but nice, solid reference. Yeah. I mean, you know, whatever works, never works. Any way to change speed. I mean, I've thrown, you know, I can throw like that big, like ethos curveball, like in a bullpen, but I just can't ever pull the trigger on in a game. Cause you don't know, like, I don't want to feel like I'm just goofing around out there, but if it works, it works. But if it doesn't, then you feel like a, like a goober cause you're out there trying to get out. So like, you're like looking like a clown flipping stuff in there like the first time you do something you know if you have like those bad results everyone's going to be like oh what's he doing out there he's goofing around 
but if it works, it works. And guys would be like, oh, great job. Like, we didn't mix it up. Like, super cool. So, I don't sure. Know. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Kind of pitch design on the fly a little bit there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm saving the old drop down, like Rich Hill style. I'm saving that for, you know, for the. A little bit later in the career. For my swan song. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if I have to reinvent later but i'm gonna stick with what i got for now um but i'm always trying to add a new trick to the bag i'm always trying to get that you know that that comeback front hip sinker to a lefty to be a little more reliable you mentioned spread that's we we use something similar we call it the movement matrix and really it's just kind of your pitch averages uh, plotted up on a vertical and horizontal break chart so we can Mm -hmm. just see like how big that movement is you're obviously a guy that when we plot that out uh you know perform really well just with all four different pitch types and the movement that are created uh and when we add in the change up we have a cutoff at i think of five percent and the change up's like 3.9 so it's just below it but when we add that in then it's like you know it really starts to spread out there uh, and get pretty cool so i understand kind of the mentality there and it makes sense when you mentioned kind of the game over in in japan and what really started to kind of like build the arsenal and spreading the ball around hitting corners and hitting spots like we we see that in the in the data that we're able to see off of that so it's pretty sweet i'd be really curious to see um you know if they ever do the the electronic strike zone how how that works um and how how guys will start attacking that i think that's when you you'd see more guys maybe wanting to drop down like sidearm every once in a while to to steal some strikes and and whatnot that way. Yeah, would you be in favor of that? It depends. Um, I heard that they did it in the Atlantic League, and mm-hmm. it was picking up strikes that looked so bad that they had to change it, like like the like the high curveball and the low curveball specifically. Like it was hitting the zone, but it would also like bounce. So they would, they, they started calling balls, which I think is, is BS. Like if you're going to use it, if the computer says it's a strike, it's a strike. Like, Oh, well, you know, the high curveball, like it doesn't look like a strike. We can't, we can't call that. You can't call like, I mean that. And then the hitters argue like, Oh, it's like, you know, the front of the plate, you know, is like the panel, but no, like the strike zone, like if the plate is like a three dimensional thing. Like if I want to step all the way, to third base and throw something sidearm and have it clip like the back point of the plate, that's a strike. And I think you could create some really weird angles on some really weird pitches that technically hit the strike zone. And if they're going to follow that, like to the T, I think guys that, that can control the ball, I think you're going to see guys like, like a Wainwright, I mean, he could play forever. I mean, he could he could spin that ball and be clipping pitches, and guys have no chance. I think I think I could do a pretty good job of of controlling the ball and finding those spots where you know it's it's a strike, but it but it's not, you know. Sure. Traditionally, from a batter's perspective, they're not going to see it that way. That makes sense. Yeah. We we talk about that a little. One of the less probably commonly known or used metrics we have are going to be those release points or so release angles uh, yeah. going horizontal break. And it's exactly what you're talking about. The guys that are you know the sails that are way out there and get to cut across and yeah, you know, they're they're such significant and severe breaks that they really are. They're clipping part of the plate. They're not driving right through yeah. the middle. They're, they're I mean, he he probably throw a slider. That's a strike that would hit a guy. And I think that's that's fine. You know, if it hits them, you shouldn't even stand in there, but that's, (laughs) but that's the thing that hitters, you know, the hitters are always going to complain about stuff and the pitchers are always going to complain about stuff. And that's, that's just the way it is. It's like, you know, 
It's apple pie and pumpkin pie. There's always going to be something different. They're going to complain. Um, I saw that little article on MLB trade rumors where they're like, who's going to benefit? And I, I don't remember who it was, but it was like 25% of this guy's called strikes were not in the electronic strike zone. Hmm. All of a sudden that dude's toast. Like those, those veteran guys that can nick at the strike zone and that get those calls. And it was something like umpires give, give more calls to guys that throw slower because they can see the ball better or see it longer. Um, you know, guys throwing a hundred umpires, you know, that's hearing, yeah, that's interesting. The umpire and the guys throwing a hundred with movement. That's a good point. And it's going to be harder to call to strike. So I think there's some, some, some good things and some bad things, but you're going to see some pitchers. I mean, I've, I've watched games on TV where I'm freaking out because the dude's throwing like backdoor cutters that never come close to the plate and the guy's calling them a strike. And here I am throwing balls like down the middle and I'm getting balled. So I don't know. I think sometimes I would like it and sometimes I wouldn't. I'm curious. Uh, I saw a study recently that had um, the ability to get a pitch call for a strike. Obviously where it was in the strike zone was a big part. The catcher mm-hmm. played a big part in it uh, as well yeah. that they would pick up a few, but also umpires, right? Because umpires have their own zones. Uh, yeah. Do you guys know that? Do you talk about it ahead of the game? Like, oh, this guy's behind the plate. I know he's a, a low guy, a higher, whatever that may be. Um, we generally know who has a who's generally tight and who's generally not tight. You know, like, oh, so-and-so's pitching. Everything's a strike today. Ooh, so-and-so's, or, you know, so-and-so's uh, umpiring, you know, big zone, you know, it's it's harder to tell if a guy's gonna like oh he you know guy loves calling the 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 down away strike or oh he likes the inside strike usually that's something I'll kind of pick up after the first couple innings like okay he's giving me a little bit off the outside corner but nothing on the inside corner or he's giving me a ball off on the inside but not on the outside or it seems like they give you more inside to righties than they ever do to lefties because lefties always do the big like oh it almost hit me. And it's never close. Um, so that's kind of annoying sometimes. But in general, I mean, I'm trying to hit spots. My interpretation of the strike zone is strike zone is wherever the umpire says it is. And I haven't ever been too upset with it because I know that umpires are trying their best to be as fair as possible. I think guys get it in their head like, oh, this umpire is trying to you know, it's, it's got it in for me. Umpires make mistakes, man. Like, you know, I throw a pitch, I go back and I look and I'm like, dang, that's a strike. But if I go back, I think it's almost even, to be honest. I think if, if, if you pitch, if I throw 100 pitches, I bet you I throw five pitches in the zone that I don't get because they're like just clipping it. And I bet you I throw another five that are like in the zone that he calls a ball because I missed the spot. Like, oh, the, you know, catcher had to reach across the zone. It was... It was middle in, but it looked bad because the catcher called it or, you know, vice versa. So I think it usually evens out, but it just depends on, you know, when do you, when you get that call, I think is what makes a big difference. Like, Ooh, I stole the strike for strike three. That's fine. But when the guy calls, when the umpire calls strike one, three inches off the plate, no one cares. Uh, Fastball outside, it's a strike, whatever. He calls that same pitch on strike three. That ball's a foot outside. I can't hit that. This is a joke. Everyone stinks. Like, it is what it is. You know, it's it's all it's all timing. 
for sure. Dude, I love that, love that mentality. And I th- think exactly right. Like they obviously go both ways. I had, yeah. I did have one last, one more question about like mentality. Obviously like we're seeing more home runs and everything and guys swinging for the fences when it comes to your mentality and attacking a hitter based off the scouting report, how much there's obviously different ballparks, right? You know, and yeah. you got Cincy, which is like a smaller, smaller field. You've got Milwaukee. going out to Colorado, obviously got altitude. Yeah. Is that something that is going to change it all the way you tack a guy or is it like, Hey, this is my mentality. I'm going after this guy in this way. Or does that actually uh, come into play? Like, you know, where, where, where you're playing ball at? Um, I don't think so. I, I think it would be situational. Like if, if there's a situation where maybe you'd rather a ground ball than a sack fly, or you're thinking like, Oh, this guy pops the ball up a lot, but it's windy. Like maybe we'll try to get him to roll over on something. Sure. But I don't think it would, it, it would change a game plan. It may change a pitch here or there. Like, Oh, you know, you could, you could jam them or get them out front with this, but it's windy. So like, you know, you know, you can jam a guy in Chicago, but the wind's blown out 20 miles an hour and it, that weird squiggle in the fence and like left center, right center, you know, outs are off the wall or homers and this and that. So every once in a while, but I, if you're worrying about the, the wind and the weather, the other pitchers got the same thing going on. So it's pretty fair. And like the wind stops in the middle of the game, like when you switch sides. Yep. So yep. if you're worrying about the wind, then I think you're, you're worried about, stuff that's not really in your control all right we're going to get into some twitter questions now the first one comes uh from a local guy you're going to be familiar with st louis cup of joe uh so he he reached out to us uh with the athletic writer there uh, in town for st louis and said how important has rapsodo functionality and data been in getting your slider back to where you want it um i only got a few bullpens in um before the strain this winter but i think it's going to be huge um once i knew what kind of angle and, and tilt, you know, when I went back and I looked and saw what kind of tilt I want, being able to not just see it visually, but like when I throw one and say, okay, like that one felt good. It appeared to have the break I wanted from, from where I'm standing. Now let's go look at the data and see like, okay, like that one's good. That one's bad to be able to see like what the different axis is and the release point and, and how hard the spin is, I think is going to be huge. Like, okay. And then it goes back to just toying with it. Like, all right, this one, I'm really going to try, you know, a a lot of finger pressure. I'm really going to follow through this one. I'm going to try to cut it off a little bit, or this one, I'm going to try to kind of push through it a little differently and, you know, throw 10 sliders that all kind of look the same, but if you can get some different data on the spin, as far as where your, your emphasis is on that ball, I think is going to make a big difference. Uh, so we actually had another one as well. Uh, I think definitely, definitely come from a Cardinals fan, man. Big fan, big fan of yours. Uh, Kyle Ford's asking just why you're the greatest pitcher of all time. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, thank you. Uh, flattering. Um, uh, but I think it's just, um, it's a mindset. I think every time any pitcher goes out there and, and toes the rubber and, and gets ready to, to kind of let it rip. I think the, the last thing that goes through your, your mind walking out there has got to be, you know, I'm the best, you know, I'm the, I'm the best dude out here. That's why I'm out here. Um, and have a little bit of, a little bit of silent swagger, you know, the last thing goes through your head before you let go of the pitch is, you know, grip it and rip it. Here we go. You know, this is it. And, uh, you know, with, with that kind of mentality, it's, it's, it's easier to, uh, you know, bring out the best in yourself. 
Absolutely, man. You know, between those lines, that mentality, you know, you're the, you're the guy starting with the ball, you're in control, yeah. kind of control yeah. the game. So that mentality yeah. is awesome. Cool. The last one that we have is from Michael Tucker. It says, what's it like to work with Yachty? Uh, it's awesome. Uh, you know, it's, it's comforting. He's like, uh, you know, sometimes it's like a, like a warm blanket, you know, on a chilly night, just, you just having him back there is, is so comforting. Uh, I mean, he's got, you know, more gold gloves than you could count. He's, you know, catch, throw, hit. He, he watches the game the way, I think the way he, he reads the game and reads like, it's like a, like an innate, like feel like a Jedi force. Like he just feels the way the game is kind of going. And he, you know, hitters reactions from how they, you know, think he's looking at their, you know, their, their facial expressions, you know, how, how they're, how they're watching a pitch, how they're taking a pitch, how they're swinging, you know, their, their body language. He just, every, every aspect of the game, I feel like he, he reads it so well. And it's, it's really neat to watch him work from the, from the dugout. Like, cause when you're pitching, it's like, all right, you know, fastball. Okay. Let's go curveball. Let's go. And you don't, you don't appreciate it as much sometimes, but when you watch from the dugout, I, I go back and I watch, um, you know, my previous starts to see like, okay, like that's what he was thinking. And you can, if you try to focus in on certain things, you can like, Oh, like maybe that's what he saw and the way that he just, he, you know, the way he kind of, you know, runs the team as, as the quarterback from, from back there is pretty neat. So it's pretty fun. Okay, cool. Miles, man, appreciate it. Hope everything's going well. We'll get back to baseball soon. All right. Sounds good. Thank you guys so much. 